Ladies and gentlemen, humans of all types, welcome back to Pounding the Table, episode 59. This week's been an absolute doozy in the week, with Pfizer having to share their vaccine data, quickly overshadowed by Roe versus Wade. And then, of course, today was a day that many had feared and bracing for, because, of course, it was FOMC. For those of you living under a rock, FOMC is the Fed Open Market Committee, kind of like the Wu-Tang Clan, but with 12 members, which is led by the Fed chair, Jerome Powell. Each year, they meet eight times to discuss whether there should be any changes in the near-term monetary policy, and of course, deciding the emotions of millions of people on FinTwit. What's going on, everybody? Quick disclaimer here before we get more into the weeds. The thoughts on this podcast and our Twitter account are purely that of opinion and of our own personal investments are not and should never be used as financial advice, recommendations, or solicitations. For those of you who are new, Pounding the Table is a podcast by Avi Mash and Anthony O'Hein talking about the stock market, the art of options trading. And each week we analyze the news and provide our opinions and insights around how we think the markets will be impacted. So Avi, Finally just settled into New York, ready to kick it off, yeah, regular schedule programming. Dude. So let's get it going. Yeah, I know I'm literally like six blocks away from you. It's really I weird. Don't know I know why to... you, you moved you know, <laughs> from Florida because I'm trying to do the opposite. But welcome, dude. I'm, I'm super pumped to have you. And this will be cool to, to be able to pod with each other, even though we're like across the street from each other right now and doing it on Zoom. Yep. It's because it is, night, yeah, it, it is a late <laughs> night. We're in the lab. Before we get into the FOMC banger today, want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors over at StockTwits. Join millions of investors to talk about stocks, crypto, and a whole lot more where we get the pulse of the market. So head on over to StockTwits, join the conversation. We're not going to get distracted by trending topics like, you know, what did Kim Kardashian eat for lunch? <laughs> everyone knows they only carry like what I had for lunch, of course. Exactly, you know? so, exactly. That's a given, Avi. Anyway, so let's rock, man. So FOMC, what are these meetings? Like, what is it exactly? Yeah, so every uh, FOMC you know, happens eight times a year, like you said, and the Fed comes in, discusses what they're going to be doing in terms of how they will engage with monetary and fiscal policy, right? So we know that the Fed is in charge of two things, unemployment and keeping inflation at bay, which they have not been doing for worth a shit. Um, but, you know, this is like a pivotal meeting and we've been talking about this for a while. And honestly, just to start off with like how important the Fed is, right? Really thinking about how much it's been impacting the markets, because that's really where that 2020 run up came from, right? You had this extremely fast and extremely severe easing that continued for, you know, quite some time. It's like over a year. And right now we're kind of winding that back. And we also have additional tensions from, from you know, Russia and everything else that's going on in the world right now, you know, gas prices, which inf- affects that a lot. But just the Fed in general, you know, they're the ones who have been responsible for our big rally and also now are also responsible for this recent decline and especially the big sell-off in growth stocks. And that's mostly because they are reverting back that policy. And thinking about you know the speed and the degree at which they're doing that is really what most people are spending their time doing in the market right now. So as we said, like November, you know, the Fed out just unbelievably hawkish, was throwing the word quite quantitative tightening all around, and they had not done that previously. They had a pretty dovish stance before, and that essentially just means like they're not going to be super aggressive with tightening. They're you know, things have been very expansionary, they're gonna keep it that way and not really put any pressure on that, like that noose of the money supply. And, you know, that meeting came out and it was aggressive, right? They were talking quantitative tightening, a bunch of different things, actively rolling off the balance sheet versus passively, and just 
raising rates like was just saying like eight times next year. And so that just was unexpected for the market, right? Sent the growth markets into a free fall before the year ended. And then once the year began, and I'm pretty sure, you know, because people wanted to not have to pay those like, you know, end of year selfies and all those things. And, and plus it was not really moving its way towards the big soldiers like the FANG yet, which is why the market could keep running. But then it, you know, continued to get severe in January and additional pressures from from Russia and from everything else that's going on with gas prices, making inflation overshoot like crazy and, and rates getting out of control. You've got the Fed coming in with this meeting now after the last month, which is uh, when they raised at 0.25%. So rates have been effectively cut to zero during COVID, and then they raised them for the first time since they cut them all in the pandemic's crash. And now they just raise it again today with 50 basis points, so 0.5%. So we're moving up quickly back again to where rates were previously before the pandemic. And I think the Fed is basically making these huge moves that dictate how the financial markets are going to be moving in the future, right? Because we're really worried about this runaway inflation that's been continuing to happen. We'll talk about it later in the podcast, but the Fed is really the people that we've been looking for. For the Fed to change, it means they have to do something about the problems. They have to worry about unemployment and have to worry about inflation, right? So we're, we're getting kind of like this weird, almost stagflation. We've got like not necessarily busting on unemployment what is, numbers. What is stagflation? I know, I know inflation. Stagflation is a different word. What does that mean for those who don't <laughs> it, know? It, it, it is a different word. So, you know, like the Fed's two goals, and this is what they've been doing all this forward. It's why these meetings matter so much. It's why everyone's saying, what's the Fed going to do? Or the Fed's messing this up or the Fed's doing this right which is less than the actual truth. But like, so their goals are to handle inflation and unemployment, like the labor market and then inflation. And so when you look at that and you see inflation is out of control and like the labor market, like unemployment is not phenomenal, right? So you've got like this negative double whammy, right? You don't want inflation too high and you want great unemployment, but you have both going the opposite direction. That's, that's literally stagflation. I'm not, I'm not like, we're really not necessarily in that but I'm saying that like you know, a lot of people are starting to talk about it being there because GDP last quarter finally came down. I was like negative 1.4% on that GDP. So, you know, we, we, they were expecting a much more robust economy, in my opinion. Even in like real life, like I'm, I'm looking around, right? You're seeing prices, you know, it obviously affects the housing market, like people borrowing money. Right. So like, is it every, yeah. like everything? So, I mean, like money in this country and in like it flows trickle down style, right? So it goes from the Federal Reserve, right? And then they loan regional banks and then those banks rank like their regional Fed banks and then they lend to other banks. Like it, it just continues to trickle down and eventually hits you the consumer, right? So you can assume it's like, you know how if you're building a pencil or whatever, maybe it costs the first guy 10 cents and then it, the guy who's, all right, now I have like the lead in the wood, let me put the eraser on and then it costs him like he gets five cents. Everyone keeps making a little money on the end. And then the last person who always is the case in business gets screwed is the consumer, right? Because you're paying the highest margin. So that, that's that's how it goes down, right? Essentially. And, and, and you just think about all the effects down the road or like mm-hmm. along that line, like as you go walk through the, from the top to the bottom of the funnel and see how that goes. So that, that kind of goes into pretty much everything that happens in the world, and like all the prices. And so if you think like lending has been extremely, extremely cheap. You know, borrowing has been very, very cheap in the last, since, since the pandemic, since they cut rates all the way, right? So interest rates, literally the interest rates you pay, but not necessarily the same ones I'm talking about. I mean, talking that's, about that's pretty much why all these VCs are throwing cash around the past couple of years. Right. And, and it's starting to dry up now because you, it's like, if you think about like, like you were saying, how does that, how does that imply to the real world? Like, let's say you have a $10,000 debt and it's on your credit card, right? Like it's on your credit card, you're paying 20% or 15 or 18%. 
And that is a, like a horrible rate. And if you have better credit, you can get a better rate. And that's, it kind of it works. You know, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That, that's like the end of the funnel. And so the money comes first, you know, through that. And then eventually it hits you. So like, like for example, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah, like if you're trying to buy a house, right? Like, let's say like there, there's some, there's talked to like a couple guys in real estate recently. And they're just like saying that it's, it's absurd, right? Like rates for your, your home's mortgage has gone up from like, 200 yeah, basis points to 300 years, basis points yeah, to like yeah. five, it's like, what's it like 5.1% right now. So it's, it's pretty egregious, but like, you also have like extremely high home prices, which that that's another thing that's just, you know, like not really supposed to happen. Right. Those are both like, it's not, it's not supposed to be like a higher rate and a higher price like mm-hmm. that fast for both. Right. So something's going to give, and it's like, people are like wondering, when do you buy a home? You have to figure out, like, I, I'm no real estate expert at all, but like, if you're just, you know, thinking of it from really high level, just to kind of get a real world example of it, you, you notice that like, if the rates are super high, right? Like, say you buy like a hundred thousand dollar home rates go from 3%, your mortgage goes from 3% to 5%, like those payments every month. Like I, I was doing a calculation just like teaching my brother how like a mortgage works, but right, it was like, you're, you're paying like 50 to 60% within, with more, with the actual interest. And you're paying like, 40 to 50% of your principal because you're paying interest, you're paying property taxes. Like that, it, that's why mortgages take so long to pay off because you are borrowing that money. You're like 50% renting and like 50%. And, and so if you think that your rent payment goes up a lot and your buying payment, yeah, it's nice because your house is going up now too, but it's not necessarily supposed to go like that, right? It's supposed to get harder to buy homes because rates are higher because it'll, it'll cost more in interest. And if like your interest is like about half of your mortgage payment, it's going to impact what kind of house you can buy. As they continue to raise rates, borrowing is going to become more expensive. So effectively, wouldn't that slow down how many people are going out there to buy homes and then supply? Right. Yeah. Kind of slow down a little bit. It's also like aggressive. Yeah, that's very true. It's also ridiculous because like, to being sadly, there's like 300,000 homes in the market in the US and like 1.5 million real estate agents. So you've got very, very small supply. And then like, as we talked about in the pot, a lot of times, like people like BlackRock buy like three to 4,000 homes in a neighborhood and like, you know, jack those prices up. And so it's like, things like that just continue to compound. And so, yes, it, it becomes harder, but then you also have to think like, it's almost like a supply chain constraint situation, right? And you're, and you're kind of getting that now. And, and you'll, you'll see that people are going to have issues paying mortgages as they got that are like, you know, variable like back in the day and during the COVID deal or whatever they got. And like, you're going to see people are going to have also harder times getting financing to buy homes because your payment will be much higher. So like if you're, oh, if you're, no one's going to want to rates are higher. Yeah, yeah. No one's going to want to, no one's going to want to move. How are you going to refinance? Buy, you're you're, you're going to go from, right. Are you going to go from 3% refinance for 6% or 5% right now? It's a situation where it's very finicky. Like that should theoretically mean that homes prices would go down, right? If rates are super high, it's harder to get money. It's harder to buy a house. There will be less demand because there's less eligibility to be part of that asset class, but it's really not happening right now. So you're getting home prices that are rocketing as well as that. And this is why people are paying crazy over ask. It's really like people are FOMOing NFTs that are flipping, going crazy right now. And they're like, I'll just pay whatever. Cause I like this one. It's just, it's one of those like I saw constraints. It like $180 million in gas fees for the board apes or something. Yeah, <laughs> there was like 200 million. They botched it. Honestly, 
uh i'll get my thoughts on that later i got to figure out if we want to partner with yuga ever if they want to just kidding but like <laughs> I, got, I got some i got some beef with that i think that was a, a bad move but all right let's back get back to, real to fomc everyone wants to digest the news what i found fascinating today was that everyone was saying it's going to be 50 bips and everyone's still though freaking out right everyone thinks it's going to drop people are buying puts etc and so it was 50 bips and it went up, right? It was, it was like mm-hmm. climbing the ladder to success, escalator style, a little shout out to Biggie. But what happened? Why, why, why was, you right. know, was anticipated? Why, why was the reaction different than what everyone thought, I guess? Well, so I, I, think this. I, want to give, I want to give Tony a quick shout out. Yesterday, two days ago when he was at my house, he's like, dude, it's going to rip. It's going to pop up here. So I, I got to give you a shout out on that one. I appreciate it. I mean, I've definitely had an, an egregious amount of shitty calls. Uh, but regardless, like it, it, you, there when it matters, like, and, and I think it's funny too. I was like talking to Rahul. He's like, you only appear when the markets are either going to go up or down and they turn. So I, it's like at inflection points. It's like, yeah, because exactly what we said since November, it's like the, the only person who can fix this worth a shit is either Russia stopping and then fed can like handle it. But it's still at the end of the day, it's fed. It, it's really all about the fed. So since November, you know, in January, I thought mostly fed, but then it was exacerbated by end of year taxes. And then also it it was that hawkish meeting in November. And I was like, okay, well, you know, it'll get January flows and flow back. And so that's where the adage of don't fight the fed works both ways. Right. Like I I did, I did think that it was oversold, but then obviously like a week later, you realize it's it's not going to get changed until the fed. So continue to hammer that point home. But right now today, like you started seeing that a lot of what people were predicting for the fed was overly predicted, right? People were talking about 0.75% raises like in one rip. <laughs> like we, we had trouble in like 2018, 2019, raising like a quarter at a time. Like it, it was like, it's, that's an egregious raise, but it's also like what the bigger fear is now is inflation. So like you're picking a poison, right? It's like, mm. do, we, do we do that and just like jack the shit out of things and then try to get back to normal? Or do we just like let inflation run off like crazy? And then just like, I don't know what happens. Like I, it hasn't happened since like, really the 70s mortgage rates right now are like where they were not since like 2008 so it's, it's like look at uh powell as, as kind of like the, the father he's like all right children like i know you guys want to have your fun but like in order for this country to survive we have to do x y and z he, he seems more powerful than the president since trump left office because trump actually had an impact on the stock market like you've noticed that the, that he he has just been the sole proponent driver of the economy like he he is deciding everything i mean not him specifically just him cuz he has other people on the board right but he he being the face of it like people have nlps that like track every word he's going to say and trade based off of exactly like how as he's saying it cuz it moves that quickly right so he he is like watch like a hawk so it's very important and since the that tony, november meeting I mean, even the tony says things like right the, it, exactly that's what the, nlp yeah, is exactly you know it's like it's crazy like yeah how you say something could <laughs> move billions of dollars. It literally just like, as he's saying it, read his expression, read his thing. And like, also, you know, every meeting, we kind of see the difference of what he said the last meeting, because it's roughly almost identical, but it's a few words are different. So you kind of see exactly where we're at right now. Yeah, it was wild. You were showing me, you were showing me this and it looks like it was like a legal document with a few red lines and it was 30 words different than the last time. Right, because it's mostly the same, same every time, right? So it's like, you, you've heard, how many times have you heard we will continue to use the full force of our tools to come. Like how many times have you heard that from Powell? Right. Like a billion, right? So that was like, that's your narrative. Like that there's a narrative that they push every time. That was the narrative that he pushed for a long time. And then November, he pushed a different narrative. And then he's walking back a lot of that narrative. And so today I think the markets were, first of all, they were, 
we've been selling out since 4,700 straight. Like it's, it's just been consistently. So we had a few pops, whatever this and that, but it was just systematic yeah. liquidating. Right. And it, it, you can see, you can go look at like almost all the indices and you can see it bounces up the next day to right where it's like on that, like just literally downtrend line. It just bounces and just stays under and just keeps selling. And it, it was just waiting for the Fed. And everyone was like really worried going into the Fed because they're saying, Bullard was talking, all these guys were saying, really hawkish guys were like 0.75, we're doing that, like it's coming. We're going to do quantitative tightening actively and all these, like very actively, like aggressively actively. They were, everyone was thinking that all these things were going to happen. That means everyone's really short, everyone's really hedged. And that's like, you know, as we talk about mean regression, it's a reflexive property. And so it's, it's people were, you can get caught offside in those situations, right? Because like, you have so many puts, your puts start to die, things rally, people try to sell them. And as we always talk about, like options are a huge part of the market and like market makers buy and sell shares to be delta neutral with that. So it, it moves the market when people are betting. And so you, you have this possibility for reflexive moves and kind of got one today because during the FOMC, you know, he said, he said a lot of important things, but the most important things he said is just, you know, June 1st balance sheet runoff start really um, and then the runoff is going to be lower than expected. And then so you're rising also to 95 billion in September for that. So you have a lot of different things that they're saying that, you know, we, we were expecting worse, right? And so inflation controls, right? Like because it's going slower, right? Just by knowing that as they tighten, inflation theoretically just goes like, down. The more they tighten, it's a little bit more delicate than that. And Powell was alluding to that by his choices of being way more dovish than he's been for like the last, since November, like, I mean, it's just literally been like, Fed's just been saying, we're going to absolutely just nuke it and just do whatever. We're going to fix this and we're, we're going to tighten as fast as we loosened. And that was what everyone got terrified for. And I'm not saying that they're not, like they are tightening extremely fast. They just raised 50 bips today. Like yeah. that's crazy. What's interesting is the price action. So earlier this morning, I was reading this amazing article, Pantera Capital, and they were talking about like the 50 bips is nothing. Right. He, and I tweeted this twice today because I'm still not excited about this economy whatsoever. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, yeah. No, you're I, right. I, I I'm, I'm also not <laughs> sleeping with two eyes open because they were saying Fed, Fed chair acts like he's pulling out the big guns. But maybe sometime in the future, increasing rates, 50 bips. Inflation is 17 times higher. So he was saying it should have been like 500 bips six months ago to tame the housing bubble that the Fed directly created. They continue to go on. He said, I met with an investor recently who had said he's not doing anything in normal markets. All he was doing was trying to buy as many homes as possible, take out 30 year mortgages against them. He goes, yeah, with the nationwide housing market running at 19.8% and the Fed still manipulating the mortgage rate down to 5%, Fed was basically daring you not to buy a house, right? And so I'm thinking like BlackRock, wasn't, didn't BlackRock go in and buy like 40% of the houses or something? In yeah, the they did a lot. In, in, in certain like in certain like areas, they and they just like, invested many... four hundred million in, in uh, USDC. Yeah, they're they're. they're I mean, <laughs> all right, they're Black Rock, I'm on to you. But like, I mean, like I'll tell you, I'll, exactly, they really are. I'm thinking a little bearish, but like today, thinking back, you were going nuts, and you were texting me over and over again. You're like, no, let's go, 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 go. And I was like, what is this guy talking about? Because I was like, I'm yeah. going for work, and you're like, he said it, he said it, and like. He said because he said he wasn't going to go to 75, right? That was yeah. <laughs> very distracting during the work day for me. I mean, you know how we always talk? Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. It was really important. I mean, so you know how we always say like, it's always about like the narrative. And you say, if you have 10 bad stories, one good story makes it better. You have to get better to get better. So we've been over here just get, basically every day. It's just been more shit. And it's just like looking worse from what he's been saying and how, how aggressively they want to do this. And so everyone was expecting 
him to just come out and do it again. And so instead, he he had this more light approach, like lighter than we what we expect. It's still not light, but it's lighter than what we expect. And so they're saying that 75 bips, 0.75% Fed funds rate hike is, was just not necessarily going to be on the table. And so they're saying that there's going to be, they said word for word, they said 50 bips increases should be on the table at the next couple of meetings. But did you hear that though? But like should be on the table instead of actually like gonna, gonna fucking happen. So yeah. think, think about that for a second, right? Because Every time I get, I, I have all these notifications on. Would that like be March. negative though? Because like, it, it, you know, he says in, in a couple of meetings, it could be 75 is not in the consideration right now. It should be 50 for the next, but like, doesn't the should be worded, you know, doesn't that? No, I mean, it, it was like, it, it because the expectations of you, like, if you think about like, like, the reason I sent you that doc of the differences is like the minute details matter. It's not like they just, they write this shit out. They, it's, it's planned. They're not like, willy-nilly saying things a certain way that they don't want it to be said like it is looked over thought over every word every answer right like this is prepared so they do it all on purpose because that's the only way you can craft the narratives by having a perfect story and so what they were saying here and what they were doing here and now saying here is are different things so i get these notifications all day long where it's like because the fed's been talking about crazy and they're just saying, like, different members are saying different things. People who are usually softer are super hard. Like, Powell is, like, the quintessential example of that. But you're getting people saying, we have to raise this many times. We have to we have to do, you know, 50 bips raised, 75, all that stuff. What Powell says is law. That's it, period. And so he was saying 75 is, like, not on the table right now. And 50 bips increases should be on the table at the next couple meetings, which means that we can maybe expect a 50 bips raise. We might get a 0.25%. It literally, it's back to being data dependent versus being, we're going to do this no matter fucking what. And so that's a very different, specifically crafted response than previous. And so knowing that expectations were worse, right? What happens when expectations upset goes the other way. It kind of appears that the Fed is allowing the markets to run and making expectations horrible, cutting tapering, and then having it come back. And it's just going to oscillate in that range until they get to a decent point in taper. And then now they're going to assess data. The Fed is back in the game by being able to raise that much and say all these things and the market not be fucking 3,000 SBX. I don't know where it's going to go from now. I'm absolutely not bullish. I was like way too, like not even, I'm, I am saying right now, I am not calling any fucking thing. I'm just looking at some of the other macro events that could potentially be had. May 9th yeah. is, is around the corner. That was victory day for Russia. And there's a lot of talk about like, either ending the war on that day or their declaration of war on that day. So that could be a, a big date to kind of keep an eye out for. That 100% is true, Avi, because Russia, and I'll give you like another, like this goes directly into the Fed. That is such a massive proponent of why things got drastic with inflation and CPI in the last few months. If you really think of it down, like I did a ton of research into how much oil actually impacts inflation and it's ridiculous. Like I went like in the weeds, like I went like in different sec in like in the baskets and looked at the makeup and the price averages of like what it costs to make those. Things. It's like if you look at any chart showing oil prices over inflation, huge moves in oil cause even larger moves in inflation. So it's like an exponential like overshoot. And so you've got that happening now, along with everything that was going on with the Fed, and and it, it's it, it was a very bad time for that to happen. Which is why I was like, why didn't we not just release our oil barrel? Literally the second Russia said a word, we should have just done that. So why, why is that with the oil? Is that because it's like everything that is made is used as oil. So as the cost goes up, 
it's going to cause supply chain issues. And that's pretty much what we've seen more or less. Javi, are you like a stock guy now? That, that, yeah, I was pretty, stock pretty guy, freaking spot on, guy, man. COVID guy. Yeah. I mean, so like, if you look at the actual breakup of CPI, which is like consumer price index, it's just like a basket of goods. So that goes into everything. So if you're, you know, my, my Gatorade bottle I'm drinking right now is plastic and I, like it, it takes energy to make this. And it also plastic is literally like, it's, it's all the connected. And so if it costs more to get a barrel oil and also know that like oil lags, right? Cause you have to, you have to drill it, you have to refine it. So that's a lagging effect too. So even though oil just went from like 80 to like 130 because of Russia just spiked aggressively, that feeds into absolutely everything. So like it did, it, I, that overshot inflation by a lot. And so I think like Europe's going to, aren't they stopping like Russia? That was a kind of an interesting thing for them to say, like we're stopping in two years. Mm-hmm. That's only going to piss Putin off more, right? Right. I mean, well, like, so good thing that yeah, Trump he's did. Got, he's going to Finland and I guess. And Russia supplies a lot of the world's oil. Oil went nuts and like more, it was going up regardless, but it went like crazy nuts as a result of that. Right. Because like that war does that, right. Like that, that that's what happens to prices and like the ability to get goods across, like that, especially people who produce a lot of those goods. Go back to the NLP thing you were talking about. That looks like red lines. Right. So go through some of this. Like, Cause I think what you're saying that is important when 80% of the words are the exact same. And then there's certain key words. It's like they plug and play with Mad Libs or whatever that game was. Yeah, I mean, I think what's most important is like just the weird subtle differences. It's like, you know how when you were in school and you were learning about like past tense, present tense, future tense, verbs and shit and like and like decisive versus like potential kind of things like I'm actually fucking tired now. It's as simple as this, like when you were in school and you were like learning about just like English, right? Like just like how to talk, like you learn different tenses of verbs, right? Like you could say something happened or something will happen or something has happened or you, you can say things a certain way and they sound a certain way and they mean a certain thing. And so like you look at these different changes, right? And so it's like um, w- one huge thing that I, I, I just like stands out to me very much. So it's like, in addition, the committee, and then initially they said expects and it changed to decided, which means like a lot of people have been worried about the Fed not doing anything. And they're saying like, instead of expecting to do something, we're going to, we've decided to do something. That is the main difference. You're like, why did we rally? It's the same notion of that. And so the, the, the sentence continues to begin reducing its holdings of treasury securities and agency debt and agency mortgage-backed securities. And then since they didn't have a date or anything, at first the sentence just read expects to do that. And now it's decided to do that. And then they furthered it with on June 1st. And then they said, as described in this document. And so they're, they're, they're starting, and there's a, a couple other ones of these, and like we can talk about it more in the post it or whatever, but it's basically saying that we're actually making moves. And so I'm not necessarily saying that this is like the best thing in the world because like we also, you know, it's been one day, it's been like, I, I have no idea how the market's going to react in a week or two, but knowing that was kind of the expectation going into it. And then there's the change and then the expectation of 75 and then him saying, no, that's why you had that big rally today. So of course you definitely need to see how this goes in the future, but I think it's in a situation now where it's like going to be data dependent, but once again, the data could be very shit and it has been very shit there's just an infinite amount of possibilities right now because there's just like an infinite amount of data points that are going to be used to make decisions and the fed changes literally like all the time it's like ridiculous and so you know what they do and what they say are going to be different things but i think that i'm going to stick with the idea that it's going to be this reflexive property where the fed will taper into rallies until they're at a place where they feel comfortable not having to taper right now and and all of this once again completely based on the data that they perceive, but 
I think that there's a lot of psyops and like specific attempts at making the markets a certain way in order to do effective policy a certain way and try as their best they can to do a soft landing, even if they are flip-flopping like salmon. And so far, you know, the market's holding over 4,000 and that means that they're doing a good job if you're judging it based off of price. I mean, if you're looking at like a bunch of like credit markets, everything else, absolute dog shit and bonds, but their goal is the inflation and unemployment first and foremost. So they're trying to tackle that as best as they can. They started late. Now Russia's involved and like impacting inflation through oil. But I will say also oil was way higher last month. It was like ranging between 100 and 130 and it's ranging okay. like 15, 20, 30 points lower on most days. So if you think about like how it's going to progress and where CPI will go, and now we don't just have one 25 bits rate height that happened halfway through the month and oil has come down a little bit. So like it, it doesn't give the notion that it could be starting to like better short. Once again, though, things, this is like an unprecedented situation, unprecedented times in the market and unprecedented moves in like so many different asset classes and indicators. So it will be data dependent. It will all be driven by the Fed. And until the Fed has decided that like, all right, we did good. It's, it's show. We don't need to taper anymore. Or we're going to do exactly just this. And it's like, it's not going to get crazier. Things will continue to be volatile as hell. And we didn't talk enough about Musk and, and Twitter, Tesla. He's been hilarious. I don't know if you saw him at the, the Met Gala. He was just clowning. <laughs> it was hilarious. But obviously there was news. And I, in, in order to purchase Twitter, he had to sell some shares of Tesla. Uh, you know, <laughs> you were, you were right. Like, I was wrong. I got it. All right. You were right. I just had to, had to get that one in there. Something like, like, yeah, Tesla, for example. If you look at all the fangs, all the fangs are botched, right? Like Netflix down, whatever, 60%. Facebook was down, like, just 50%, Google, Amazon, all of them down 30%. Like your biggest babies are getting fucked too. And so it's really hard to understand and see that like the entire market was taking a hit because people always say it's the generals and the soldiers that fall and it was. But you start seeing that like that, as we always talk about that the markets are completely comprised of these like six or seven stocks. That's why the markets were tanking now and this year. And those stocks were doing fine last year and they started tanking this year. So it, it trickled down into them. and. What's important is now like what is holding up regardless of all this shit, because this is like, the biggest important indicator, right? Like whatever is going and holding fine or like even going up now, unless it's like a play on oil or whatever. But if you think oil is going to be up in a year, I think you're kind of crazy. Like I could be wrong, but I don't think oil is going to be over 112 to 18 months. So, I mean, like you're looking at like long-term stocks that so you like, even like Tesla, Elon sold what, like 8.5 billion or so in shares. So that's like a lot, obviously. And that just only brought it down to like 830. And then as soon as they tweeted that he was done selling shares or whatever it was, it started rallying, right? And it's like 950 today. And so there's certain, and, and the markets are still like only 4,300. So you, you look at like the propensity for certain stocks to hold and to go up when they should be going down based on macro conditions, especially like in the tech sector right now, like you've got like CrowdStrike holding up just fine. You've got Mealy, which like, you know, Mealy and Shop are the same price at like a thousand and, and, and Mealy is still there and, and Shop's at 450. And so you're seeing that. And you're also seeing another thing where you're getting certain shares that have been absolutely decimated, like Shopify, like what, $200 billion company at the top, which was, I still said it was overvalued. I agree with that. There are other stocks that I thought were undervalued, but that were also obviously very overvalued regardless because conditions matter the most. And so you're looking at those names and you're seeing like, what is holding up now? And when the market does well, obviously they do the best because if they don't go down, if you just think of it like buying and selling, right? It's like tug of war. It's just like tug of war. So you have how many sellers, how many buyers? That's the price. That's why everyone talks about all this other shit. It's just the price. And so you see that Tesla wants to go up. So then it likely has a good chance to go up when the market's going up. 
And so you see that Mercado Libre hasn't gone to 400 like Shopify did, and they were similar prices. Okay, so Mercado Libre is obviously a better performer than Shopify and a better name to own, in my opinion, as a result of that. And so you, you can start delineating which names might be the better leaders in the future when the markets get better and when the Fed situation all this calms. And you can also start seeing which ones have already ran a ton in these bad conditions. And so if you assume that the market's reflexive and eventually will change back into good conditions, I'm not saying that's now. I'm saying that like we could keep crashing, it could still run like this. But if you think like 12 to 18 months out, assuming we have not an aggressively horrible landing, then that's also like a place where you start thinking, well, do I want to be owning all these oil names up this much? Or do I want to be like short crypto when crypto has been holding up infinitely better than all these other, like even Bitcoin have been holding up better than every other tech stock. It's really better than Amazon. Is that scary for crypto though? I mean, you could Hell no. look at the other way around and be like, well, they didn't get, they didn't shit the bet as much as stocks did. These coins themselves, like Bitcoin and ETH specifically, because they're large enough that people who have actual money can care about them. Like they've been starting to be like constrained as well. Like just like housing is right. This supply constraint. And so you mm -hmm. think like, you know, Fidelity just said that they're going to let you, you know, add Bitcoin to your 401k. There are only so many Bitcoin, right? And same, eventually they'll probably add ETH because ETH is like only, I don't know, like 50% of Bitcoin market cap. And ETH is deflationary and will be more deflationary later. So you think about things like that, like, sure, you know, they should have gone down a lot, but not that much has changed for them to be holding up this well since the last time. And so I don't think that the coins are acting like they want to go down. Like I know a lot of people are thinking that crypto is going to get absolutely massacred. And I would not be surprised for it to continue to be volatile. But just right now, as is, like the fact that ETH is one of the riskiest assets in a lot of people's minds, especially like institutions and like people who hold stocks up and who buy a lot of them. And the fact that last time in all this mess, it went down to 1900 and now it's at 2800. Like two things, you can say it's an inflation hedge, sure. But then you also realize that the coins themselves are beginning, becoming to be deflationary. So it's also expectations here too. And the fact that they're holding up better when they should have gotten murdered because risk got absolutely murdered price again. And so I think that sure, we could have pullbacks when like inflation settles and people take the narrative off of it's an inflation hedge. But by then, ETH has the ETH2 merger and Bitcoin will just be getting bought by people in Fidelity's 401ks. How many clients and how much money does Fidelity have? Let me think about it. They only have no, so many. It's crazy. Oh. I mean, yeah, we're talking to there's so many institutions getting involved in the space and pouring money into it. And, and it's going to continue to grow, obviously. Um, I don't know. I can see Bitcoin coming down again. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm, I'm saying, like, I, I don't really know what's going to happen when inflation settles and how the narrative's going to change with crypto. But I think by then, like, we'll get a much better gauge on the way that people are, like, not just relating crypto to general tech and then risk in general. Because over time, if you have more adopters, right, like it spreads out the coins, less people are able to like, more wallets every day, more people own a certain amount of Bitcoin, and it continues to spread out, right, more holders, less propensity for everyone for one big guy to dump a ton, right. So liquidity is, is coming in, and, and also institutional liquidity, and right, and like, you buy something in your 401k, what do you do in your 401k? Do you sell it? And you hold that shit. Just and so shit up there daily, day trading. Right. Well. So, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, you, 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 we're like, you'll yeah, literally be, it's, it's locked in there for, for right. a while. Yeah. It, it's removing supply that's possible to be bought, right? And so right. If, if assets prices are based on supply and demand, less supply, same demand. Actually, less supply, increasing demand, price go up. That's how. That's just logically how I think about it. Like, yeah. the is it going to be volatile? Yeah. Will, will make it interesting to see what happens there. You know, 
they may want to crash Bitcoin. And, and this is what choice, bro? What, 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 what the fuck can they do? Here. What are they gonna do? <laughs> what is what is what is power? What is uh, uh, yeah, who, create who, the central digital currency that everyone needs to use and, and just say <laughs> can't it's banned. But in, even though it's okay. essentially no one can quote unquote ban it, if you the one with the biggest gun could tell you that you're going to jail if they find you and people will get scared and then they're, you know yeah and you know what ha- you know what happens when people point a gun at you Abby you move out the way and so people will literally go move to Switzerland and other places that are crypto yeah. happy and I you agree. won't be having a lot of rich people and innovative people in the u.s so that's exactly Manny on the pod by the way this guy's good luck <laughs> <laughs> i just saw manny walk in man you're good manny i'll be literally just like can we get super funny i was just thinking about like elon musk like, he, he feels like on top of the world and i was thinking back to like the when will smith uh punched uh, chris rock and denzel was saying like the devil comes to you what do you say at the highest moments be careful that's when the devil comes for you elon may break that barrier but you think too many things are happening where he's too much of the spotlight and maybe he gets you know even more egocentric and starts tweeting and it could like really affect and have that kind of trump effect on you know both twitter and tesla and the rest of the markets like do you think that is something to really think about or am i just uh, watching too much TMZ. You need to get off the YouTube conspiracy theories because I don't know. All I have to say, there's only one person in the world I will never say anything negative about, and it's Elon. Like, I don't give a shit what you think. He's done more for anyone in the world and everyone in the world than anyone else who's listening to this podcast ever could think about doing. So I don't give a fuck. I think Elon, no matter what he does, is going to do well. I've backed him since I was like 13, and I will till I'm 60 and dead. Six, actually 61 first birthday like, yeah exactly no but I, exactly right but like i i i think elon is just like not doing it i mean yeah he's having fun whatever but like if you make 300 billion dollars i have fun too wouldn't you it's like stanford yeah, prison experiment. Dad, sometimes people have so much money they just don't even care what they say yeah but i think he's I mean, what is he doing he's doing good things right how he's big of a problem about what he says he's tossed memes out there troll aoc like he just does it strategic i mean the reason he does that is i i, I think that you know what's really interesting E5D'd all of us. And so, I mean, like, why do you think he's been, I mean, I know he's like that naturally, but the reason he chooses to be like that is like, he's, he's definitely been thinking about doing the Twitter thing for a long time. And so like giving people the notion that he's a fun meme guy and everyone likes him and everyone on Twitter is crypto related and Elon's Doge, Doge daddy. I mean, it's all definitely in the plan. Guys in 11D, you don't think that it's all, you know, I think it's all thought out and he does it all specifically. It's also authentic, which is the best part. So I think he really wants to give free speech. I think obviously he thinks he's going to make a ton of money off of it because he will, because everything Elon does makes a ton of money, period. And so, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good thing overall because people want free speech. Avi, how happy are you that you're not going to be shadow banned? Like, I think me Pretty too. <laughs> yeah. So like, uh, I mean, that things like that matter. And then I think that, you know, if you just look at everything else he's done in the world, like who's done more? And, and, and I, I don't know how anyone can be thinking he's fallible at all. I mean, obviously, man's not perfect. Everyone's fucked. But if you look at everything he's done, he's done nothing that I don't like in terms of where he's direct, like where he's directing companies and what he's deciding to do with his capital. So I'm team Elon till, till the day. Yeah, I, I would love if I, he was just yeah. trolling to it, you know, and the, and the deal doesn't go through. He sold Tesla at a, at a peak and then can buy it back lower. <laughs> just Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't, I don't, he, I mean, he just, you know, what's funny. I mean, he just got paid that he bought Twitter for free. This, his options, uh, his tier 11 and 10 
got exercised for 23 billion. So he spent half of his profits and he put it in, he rolled it. Elon's master like roller. Coca-Cola next. <laughs> it was great. And put the cocaine in it. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. It was hilarious. The best tweet. Uh, let... <laughs> second most <laughs> second most liked tweet of all time. Is it? Yeah. Let's end on that. <laughs> Tony, wrap it up, man. As always, let's uh let's give people something to think about here for this next week. Oh man, yeah. I would say, guys, obviously, you know, we we wait for the Fed because the Fed is the one that decides it. And like until you know the Fed wants us to go up, or if the Fed wants us to go up, you know, that's all we'll do. And so, you know, today was a huge day, I think, just for obviously the markets rallied like crazy and the Fed started showing lighter side of itself. But don't be fooled. Like I would say that it's so freaking early. You can't call anything, you can't assume anything. They could just change their words tomorrow. They could completely, completely change. And they already just raised 0.5 and they said good things because they raised 0.5 and they don't want to tank the markets right now, even low. It's for like near 4K. So I don't know where they're going to go with it. I don't know what the data is going to be. And I also don't know what the data is going to be to them and how they're going to take that and improve it. So you have to really think about, you know, many, many variables that will come. So that's why I'm always, I'm still saying stay very agile, stay very you know, aware and open. I understand that like if things start selling, there is a reason. If things start running, there's a reason, but still it's definitely far too early to call or think anything is better at all. Honestly, this could literally be down 100 tomorrow. Like, who knows? And so, yeah, expectations are better. Yeah, people were pricing on the worst and there were so many people short. A lot of people got squeezed and a lot of big buys today, whatever. Doesn't matter. Price can be super volatile and bear markets always produce the biggest rallies. So this could be one of those. Or it could be the start of the Fed actually getting a handle on that. But we'll need to wait for CPI. We'll need to wait for... Just, you know, we need to wait for a bunch of data. We need to wait for a bunch of data and a bunch of random comments. Like, wait a few weeks to see what they're saying and how the markets react. But as always, the most important thing is watch price, watch all the prices, and then just figure out what's going on. And with that being said, we'll be back next week. I just want to say one thing inflation is still 17 times higher. So, sleep with both eyes open, folks. Be careful. Let's not get rug pulled. Have a great week, founders. And we'll be back next I'll week. Make a big move. That's a big move. Hey, you don't understand how big, big of a big deal the economy right now That's is. Like, it's so move. fragile that like I'll we could literally upend so many, so many things can be fucked. Like big it could be just moves. irreparably bad for That's a long a time. The only reason anyone gave a fuck who's an office is because Trump was an office. And Trump was a bad motherfucker who told Powell how he felt and exactly what to do. Politics don't matter right now. Like, Biden's not even making any... He's not... Sense. He, 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 no, yeah. All right, cut all this. Cut this entire fucking thing. <laughs>